This episode of Control-Alt-Delete is brought to you by GoToMeeting. Think about all of the time, money, and hassle it takes to hold a meeting. Now think about the solution. You can meet your clients and coworkers online with GoToMeeting because it's the smarter way to meet. GoToMeeting makes it easy to meet with your team whenever you need to, wherever you are. Because with GoToMeeting, you can meet away from any computer or mobile device without travel expenses or the hassle of traffic. All you got to do is you turn on your webcam, it's HD quality, and it's like being in the room. Everyone sees what you're seeing so your team can get on the same page and get going. So try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. You can visit GoToMeeting.com and just hit the Try It Free button. That is GoToMeeting.com. Hello, and welcome to Control Walt Delete, uh, an increasingly circular podcast from the road. I just want it circular. <laughs> I don't know what that means. To next week, it'll be a triangle. What, I don't know uh, what that means either. Well, it's figured we're coming back around the iCloud thing. Anyway, I yeah. am Neil Hypatel. <laughs> I'm the editor in chief of The Verge, I'm joined as always by my friend Walter Mossberg, Walter S. Mossberg, uh, executive editor of The Verge and co founder of Recode. Hey, Walt, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going great, but you can drop the S. Sorry. You don't like the, you, don't, you don't do the S? I mean, it's fine, but... I never you know. use my middle initial either, but... I thought I'd be more... What is your... Mid- what is yours? It's uh, D. D. Neil yeah. D. Patel. Okay. Yeah. NDP. Uh, well, uh, but, you, but, you know, we're friends, so you don't yeah. have to use my formal... I don't have to be name. For- <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm technically an Esquire. I could just go for it. There's a whole... Nah, I'm not buying that lawyer bullshit. <laughs> You're not an Esquire. <laughs> That is just bullshit. Uh, there's the, I will tell you I mean, this. lawyers made that up. <laughs> yeah, of course we did. We make the rules. Like in 1501. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's no... There's... I mean, I'm, a, I'm an MS. I'm a master of science. There you go. I also have an honorary doctorate. Do I you make should... you call me doctor? No. I would call you... I feel like this is the time I need to tell the people about Walt's honorary nickname in China. Oh. No, we'll save that one. We'll save that for another show. But rest assured, and I'm just going to keep teasing this, what Walt is known, the, the popular name for Walter in China is, is tremendous. Anyhow, um, so Walt, this week, uh, we're, we're kind of diving back into it. We're getting back into Apple, the FBI. You wrote a long column, uh, something that I've been thinking about as well. Um, so the, just to set the stage here, um, the Apple FBI case is ongoing, Apple testified in front of Congress yesterday. Uh, they said the whole world is watching. We can't unlock this phone. There's a separate court case in New York uh, where the judge decisively ruled in Apple's favor that, that you know the company should not be forced to help the FBI unlock a phone. Uh, I mean, it, it, it just seems like the wind is at Apple's back right now that they, you know, they're, they're not going to be made to unlock this phone. But there's another piece of this uh, which you and I have talked about, and then you wrote about in your column today, which is the story is about when I when I see it in the popular media, the story is about privacy. Apple's protecting your privacy. Apple doesn't want to give the stuff to the cops. But then Apple runs iCloud, and the second piece of it is that Apple, if you know, presented with a proper warrant, Apple will in fact turn your data over to the police. Right. It it occurred to me that that was kind of an anomaly, partly because Apple's explanation of, I mean, Tim Cook's uh, interview with ABC News, for instance, was partly about this. Apple's explanation of how it is willing to cooperate with law enforcement, of course, it's not heartless and pro-terrorist and, you know, saying we won't in any any way cooperate. Apple's answer to that or the way they do that, in part, they do other things, I, I think, but in part, it's to say, 
um, hey, there's this iCloud backup mechanism that's automatic and goes to the cloud, uh, iCloud obviously, and um, we can we can help you by giving you the you know presented with a proper warrant. We can give you the uh, the backup to a, a, a phone that is of interest to you and, and where a court has issued an order. And in fact, it, it's famous now, but you know, they told the FBI they should make a fresh backup because this, this yeah. particular phone had not been backed up in six weeks. And the FBI changed the iCloud password or something, <laughs> or the county did at the request of the FBI. And so the backup wasn't possible to be made. Now, and so that spurred me to thinking, well, what about this? And it isn't – I, I, I want to make clear before we start discussing the pros and cons of this that two things I think are really important. One is this is not about like evading lawful court orders. I'm, I'm, I did not write a column for you know criminals who want to evade Apple. I'm, any, I would actually – but if you started to write a column for criminals, yeah. that would be something. That would be – I mean, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not saying you should do it. I'm not saying I can make you do it. I'm just saying you should think about it a lot. Yeah, I'm not doing it. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but the point is, there are people in other countries who use iPhones, where you know the government, the the the, the analog of the FBI is not as constrained by law and tradition and the rule of law and all the things we have here. So, what is called law enforcement in you know, Brazil, where they just arrested a Facebook employee because of a, an encryption issue in one of their services. I don't know enough about Brazil, but I suspect there is maybe not the same set of controls over law enforcement there as, as we have here. Secondly, forget about law enforcement. It's just where is your data safe? Right. Well, Apple has made a, a phone. There are some, you know, there are some special purpose phones that are that are super secure, supposedly, the black phone and, you know, a few of these. But for a massively sold phone, apparently, the, <laughs> we, we now have some evidence that the iPhone is pretty damn hard to penetrate, assuming you've, you know, have taken the security steps of setting up um, a passcode and, and flipped on that, you know, 10 tries and we erase everything uh, option. Mm -hmm. So here they've made this pretty impermeable phone, which should make you feel good if you're an iPhone user and make you actually consider the iPhone. I mean, it's true that they don't advertise this, but, um, but uh, you know, but they, they, it, they, it, it, it is a benefit. They sort of do. I mean, it this is, is their big push into the enterprise. They need yeah, yeah. To... I mean, I, I we've talked about this before. I wrote a column before I joined uh, The Verge when I was at Recode last year about the fact that they made this a theme at their big annual developers conference mm -hmm. uh, last year last uh, what was it june um and or so um uh you know that's a great attribute of the iphone if what you're interested in is privacy and when you think about all things you have on your phone you should be but this cloud thing is a little different yeah and it turns out they have two models and i can describe them if you want and we can debate them well yeah I, I would love that i mean i, I think the, when i was reading your column the thing that jumped out at me is your iMessages are in there right and that I have always thought of iMessage as being this like totally secure end to end. Nobody can get at it. And the idea that, yeah, you know, if somebody breaks in your iCloud, they can just see it like that. Like that to me is. Well, it is, it is end to end encrypted. Right. Okay. Now, I have no idea if there are bad guys out there who can break the 
type of encryption Apple uses, but I assume not Mm -hmm. or not very easily. Um, And it is absolutely end-to-end encrypted and it's – with with messaging uh, in general, what you want to know about is uh, two things – uh, in transit and at rest, it's called. So in transit, it's encrypted. It's also encrypted at rest, meaning on Apple's servers. In fact, it's encrypted in, in you know in a, in a fairly strong way. But what I found out in, in uh, reporting this column is that if you have messages saved on your phone, and I think a lot of people do, whether iMessages or MM- SMSs in that messaging app, those are backed up and Apple can decrypt them. And why does Apple keep a key? Apple keeps saying I mean, this whole FBI thing is because Apple says it doesn't have a key to the phone, to the physical phone. But Apple does keep a key to iCloud. And the reason is uh, to most of the data on iCloud backups because they need to help you restore it. Right. If you forget your password or your phone was stolen and you know something – and you, and you forgot your password, you need to restore it. They need to be able to help you restore it. It's, it's a service. It's a, something people expect of Apple and of, of other uh, phone makers. And so they do have it. Now, you know, there are some things that are not backed up because Apple thinks it's, it's easy for you to restore them without taking the time and trouble to back them up. Like if you have a bunch of books downloaded on your Kindle app, those come right back when you sign back into Kindle. There are other things that are backed up, but Apple doesn't have a key to them, like your Wi-Fi passwords right. or your or your password to third-party services like Gmail or you know Amazon or, or whatever. Uh, your keychain, which mm-hmm. is a, an Apple term, both in on the Mac and in the mobile devices for Correct. kind of their hashed collection of, of passwords. That's not they can't decrypt that. It's backed up, but it's Backed up in a way where they don't have the key, right? And that's a whole but separate, which, which, by the way, tremendously useful service, iCloud Keychain, right? Like, yeah, it's a whole separate thing, and I, that that's actually important. Yeah, which we actually ought to discuss. And and yeah. and you know, Matt, I, I can't remember if this is true on iOS, but on Macs, they'll actually propose some ridiculous password you can never remember. Yeah, they they essentially Keychain, they they essentially have a password manager thing, and have had for quite a while on there. Right. Um, so. It occurred to me that people should know that uh, – never mind the FBI, which Apple seems happy to help in limited circumstances where they think it's proper. And by the way, that word – you're the lawyer, but that word proper is interesting because they make a point of saying they review these court orders, which after all can come from any kind of court yep. at any level, which may have legal skill and may not have legal skill and care – and they say they only comply with 27% of the orders uh, they receive for information about accounts as opposed to stolen phones. But they do do that, and they did in in, in this case. But forget about law enforcement. <laughs> Things can be hacked. Things can be hacked. Right. And it's not just iCloud. That's the other important point. Right. So you have this super impermeable phone, but that phone is, is a device to talk to the cloud. Mm-hmm. And – you and I, I know this. You and I both ha- have accounts with Google out the wazoo, right? Yep. I mean, you know, we have Google, we have Gmail, we have Google Docs, we have Google Drive. 
I think we we probably both have Google Plus, even though I certainly don't use it. I don't know if you do, but uh, and we have a lot of other things. I have a Dropbox account. I have a Microsoft um, OneDrive account. You know, I have others. Uh, I've uh, and those things. Each one of those parties have has different rules about in, different levels of encryption, different rules about decryption, whether they keep the keys. And I just gave a couple of examples in the column. I mean, Google said, yeah, they have a key to Google Drive, Gmail, Google Docs, Google Calendar. And if presented with a proper, you know, warrant, they can turn over the information. They were they were quick to say that an end to end encrypted Android phone is like an encrypted iPhone, and they don't have the key to that. But on the services in the cloud, they do. Right. And Dropbox, also in their official stuff on the web, says they have... You know, it's funny, and you literally just reviewed the next bit, Robin, which is a phone that literally the whole thing is in the cloud. I mean, the the underlying basis here, and we can... I'll talk about this for five seconds because it's so wonky, um, is something called the third-party doctrine, which says that if you communicate to someone and you involve a third party in that communication, your expectation of privacy is gone. Um, and this is like old law. It's like Smith versus Maryland, if you want to go look up the Supreme Court case. Um, it's I don't know that that should apply to the modern era, but it certainly does. Um, so if you are using Apple's cloud service, they the government considers Apple to be a third party because you are, they're an intermediary in how you communicate to other people. Um, and so you have, your expectation of privacy has gone away. So they can, they can, they don't even have to tell you. They can go to Apple with the warrant or the order or whatever, and get the information from Apple. They can go to Google and same thing, or Dropbox or Microsoft or literally any cloud service you use is technically a third party but, intermediary between your communication and other people, which I think is fascinating. Uh, is a legal concept, but it's also the reality is I don't think most people think about it that way. Right, like so. So I pointed out in the column that whether what you're afraid of is the government, which I think most people are not, but it, but but you know some people might be, either because they think they've done something the government might be interested in going after them for, or they just don't trust the government, or in what must be a much greater number of cases they're worried about hacking, theft, or whatever. Uh, even if they trust Apple or whoever it is, um, I p- was pointing out that you can back up your phone locally. Now, that that doesn't stop the problem of all the other company services you may have on your iPhone, but at least in the Apple iCloud case, you can back it up locally. It's an old school thing that I'm sure some people listening to this podcast must uh-huh. still do, but mo- I bet most don't, um, where you... Uh, you know, used a cable. I, I failed to mention that you could also do it by somebody on Twitter pointed out to me. I failed to mention you can also do it by Wi-Fi. Yeah. Although I'm not sure I trust that actually. But yeah, I um, Wi-Fi. You got you still need a cable because it only does it when you plug it in. So you might as well plug it in your computer. You know. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, you so you plug it in, and you know I actually did it uh, uh, recently because I had a because I I actually had a bug in the iCloud backup and, you know, it still works uh, and it's saved on your local machine. Now, I pointed out in the column and I will point out again, this does not protect you from a proper court order. Um, It just means that the FBI goes after you individually instead of Apple and says, give me your backup or give me your entire 
uh, PC or Mac, wherever you backed it up to. Or, but, you know, I also assume they can compel you to unlock your phone. Right. And uh, not they, worry they about can. the backup. And, and this hasn't risen to that level, but the government can certainly go and have a court order you to type in your passcode. This is a thing that has happened in our country. So you're right, but at least, at least then the government has to talk to you. And I think the thing that is and this is a little bit of a pivot on this conversation, but the thing that gets me about this, and I, the reason I, I, I was like very interested to talk about it today, Apple's in front of Congress. They're testifying in front of Congress. Congress, I don't remember which congressman exactly said this to Bruce Sewell, who's Apple's general counsel, but they basically said, either you're going to figure it out or we're going to figure it out. And if we figure it out, if we Congress figure it out, you're not going to like it, right? So Apple, you better, like you figure out what you want, but you can't just keep everything from law enforcement. Right. Like that is not an acceptable compromise to the United States government that Apple gets to keep all the information away from law enforcement. So that there's like a very interesting dynamic at play here where at some point they need to compromise. Right. Like Apple is going to have to make some sort of compromise in this case. Yes. And, I, and, and frankly, they've said Apple, Apple has said this, this belongs in Congress. Right. And maybe that's the wrong thing. Uh, there was an interesting article uh, I saw that pointed out that Apple is not as strong in Washington, has historically not loaded up with lobbyists the way that some other tech companies have. Both Microsoft and Google have had many more regulatory uh, and court issues in Washington than Apple has historically had. And so, uh, you know, they did have that antitrust suit over the book sales, but. By and large, they haven't had a lot. Right. But I, but, my, so, but I guess my point is, I don't think the FBI cares about Apple unlocking the phone. They care about the data on the phone, right? I mean, th- that's the compromise is, okay, We the, uh, Apple and Google and every other Samsung, every other company that makes a phone says, we, we cannot give you a backdoor into the phone encryption. Too dangerous, too... Uh, too ripe for abuse. We don't want to... Apple is, you know, they're way out there. They are putting it all on the pavement. They're saying, if we unlock the phone for you this time and build this version of iOS, the next version of iOS, you're going to ask us to turn on the microphone. Well, and, and in fact, since you notice the FBI is no longer saying it's just one phone, because within a matter of days, it became clear there are hundreds yeah, the, and, of phones in law enforcement. Yeah, the DA in New York pe- is like literally giving press yeah. conferences with like <laughs> armfuls of iPhones that he'd like unlocked. Yeah. Um, but... The compromise, and, and I just keep coming back to this, like at some point, even if they go to Congress, Congress isn't going to say, well, we've deliberated and we've passed a law, uh, which they are currently unable to do. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But yeah. like, whatever, like assuming we had a functional Congress. Don't be such a, don't look, be we're so gonna, look, the they election's can, coming up, we're going to throw a, all the bums out, we're going to get whole new bums. They can name a post office. <laughs> They've done that. <laughs> Anyway, so this hypothetical functional Sometimes. legislative body that runs our country, uh, yeah. there, there's just I, I, and I, I appreciate your take on this, but I just don't see a world in which Congress says, okay, we listen to Apple, we listen to the cops, we listen to all the other stakeholders, and we've decided that Apple's right, and they don't have to unlock the phone, and you don't. This is all the government that you can get, or this is all the information the government can get. Like I, that, that is a fanciful. Scenario. I think what they will say is, well, that will not be the outcome. They're they're going to say we have either you know Apple, you've presented us with no further alternative, so you have to build a backdoor into your thing, or 
you have to maintain the ability you know, any company that makes a locked product has to maintain the ability to unlock that product. Like that's a re- that's a thing that they could just rule. But here's a right, law. But they could, and then that could be appealed to the Supreme Court. You know, I mean, it's well, sure, sure. I mean, like I'm saying, but the, these are on. these are kind of your choices, but, right? It's either so here, Apple. You're totally here, right. Here's the problem with the backup as a solution, yeah, but, which is and, the, and this is a, and this is the third so one, far. which is make the backup more robust and right. be more open to law enforcement right. collecting right. the data out of the right backup. now. Apple, I, I don't want to give. The listeners, the impression, and and some of them are actually technically smarter than either you or I. I don't want to give the listeners the impression that Apple, you know, this is an unencrypted, come get it to the world of bad guys and, and as well as good guy law enforcement officers. Come get it. That's not Apple's point of, point of view, even on the backups, even if the backups aren't quite as impermeable as the phone. They are encrypted. And... It's just that they hold the keys to the encryption for most of what's backed up. The FBI director in those hearings yesterday said the backup wouldn't have been good enough, that they, they, they wanted more than what was in the backup. I don't know how much – he's a smart guy, by the way, um, Comey. And I, so presumably he's reasonably well briefed. I mean we both know that a lot of law enforcement and, and in fact government agencies are kind of behind the curve on technology. So I don't know how techy he is, but um, he – I don't know what he knows about the backup, but he said the backup would not have been sufficient. Right. And if what he wants is absolute access to everything on the phone, he he's right. The backup doesn't have that because as I just pointed out, a couple of examples and there are others. People were tweeting some to me today. Um, you know, they There are some things they choose not to back up. There are some things they do back up, but they choose not to have the key to. And so it's possible that Congress could pass a law or the two parties could come to a compromise where the backup would be uh, much more inclusive and much more um, decryptable in every aspect by Apple. And they could maybe uh, negotiate or legislate, you know, kind of the parameters of the extraordinary legal circumstances under which that could be turned over. Right. Could be. Could be a way to do it. And then the phone, which Apple says is different because it's a physical object that could be lost or stolen, the phone could remain, uh, to use my brilliant word, impermeable. And um, the backup could be the solution. I don't know. But I, but I, but I mean I was sort of saying to the readers – of the column and the listeners of this podcast, um, you know, think about your your whole cloud experience. I mean, think about it. If I mean, I I started thinking about it. What do I have on uh, you? Sh- and I'm sure you're thinking about it right now. <laughs> what do you have on Dropbox? What do you have? I mean, whether it's your personal one or your Verge account or whatever. What do you have on Google Drive? What do you have on in your iCloud backup uh, or in other parts. You know, there are other parts of iCloud like your contacts. They've been backing up contacts since before there was an iCloud. They've been syncing that across your device. It's one of the nicer things about Apple thing uh, devices. And, you know, the other thing to think about, and I'm going to say this before you can, <laughs> is, is two-factor authentication, yeah. which is annoying. A lot of this stuff is annoying. And a lot of this stuff introduces friction for you. Um, but it's a security thing. I mean, if we lived in a world where people weren't stealing things 
or there weren't repressive governments or bad law enforcement agencies uh, in some places uh, trying to do the wrong thing, um, you wouldn't need it. But two, so two, what's two-factor authentication? It means that even if you put in a password, you can't get into whatever it is that you're trying to get into um, without another code, which is typically sent to you in a text message, but could be uh, it could be required that it be generated by an app, mm-hmm. which does nothing all day but ran- generate random numbers, which expire after what a minute usually or something like that. And you know, I notice at at our company, some of our systems you can use an SMS, and some require. Um, uh, it's a, actually a Google app called Authenticator um, that runs on both Android and iOS, and uh, probably other places as well. Yeah, and um, so where you can, you should do two-factor because here's the key to two-factor. It's really primarily about somebody trying to use a device that's not your de- that's not a recognized device, I think. Uh, that's where it really helps because they won't have your phone, which can receive the uh, SMS. Right. It's You need something you know and you need something that you have, right? I mean, that's right. the – Right. You know the password and you have this like trusted device. I mean, I think for me, what's interesting, you know, we're we're talking about the government, we're talking about attackers, we're talking about security and privacy, and it's all wrapped up into something that seems, I think, to the ordinary person, very complex. Right. And so that's why you get these pullouts that I know it when I, even when I kind of can collapse the issue into a single question, it's like maddening. Right. So the question is not, should Apple unlock the phone? Right. Like the question is not should Apple unlock the t- this terrorist's phone, because if that was the question, Apple would just unlock the phone. Right. Right. If there was no precedent, if there was no danger, uh, if, if it did not require, you know, creating a piece of software uh, that doesn't exist in the world today and, and whose value to criminals would be like, God, can you imagine what the value right. of stealing that software would be? It would be unbelievable. Right. So it's like it's you can't it's it just seems like this complex thing and anytime you try to simplify it into okay let's let's start asking some questions and pulling apart you just immediately start losing the nuance that makes it important but what you're talking about is the flip side of it which is you have this very secure piece of hardware and apple is fighting the government to keep that as secure as possible and then the thing that makes that very secure piece of hardware as valuable as it is is its internet connection to a number of cloud services that are insecure for a wide variety of reasons, right? It's and you know you're well, talking even about, if they're even if they're they, many of them are encrypted. Well, they're encrypted, but like mean, you know, it's it's just funny because we're talking about two factor here, and two factor is like you know, two factor prevents against somebody guessing your password or um, right. social engineering your password. Like uh, when we were editing the piece last night. You and I had a pretty vibrant discussion in the comments of our Google Doc about how early in the piece to to mention the iCloud hacks where all the nude celebrity photos got out. And all that was was a bunch of kids on Reddit, basically, social engineering celebrity passwords and then getting their photos off their iCloud backups. Yeah, it actually wasn't a, a, a breach in the architecture of iCloud, although they did something to tighten it up. Right. I think it had to do, do with the number of guesses you could make or something right um yeah no uh so i mean but but to me it's and then and then next to that is 
literally because of this wonky third-party doctrine, the government can can just go to the, your cloud service provider and say, give me this data. And this cloud service provider, you know, Apple has a process to make sure it's a legitimate request. And Google has a process. And that, but eventually they're going to be obligated to turn it over. Here's the thing you have to keep in mind because I think you stated it really well. You have this highly secure physical device that has all of these like highways out to the cloud. And where they terminate are server farms controlled or at least leased by different companies which have different rules and different levels of security and all of that and different policies. And that's the irony (laughs) of this. That's the irony of this whole question. There's another irony about two-factor. And I know it's your favorite thing, but there's another irony about two-factor, particularly with Apple products. So Apple has this thing that you you and I, you know about it very well, called continuity. Mm -hmm. It's a great thing. It's the thing that allows you to, you know, start typing an iMessage on your iPhone. And for some reason, you get interrupted. And the next thing you know, the next chance you have to finish typing it is on your Mac. Well, it's there. You can... You can pick it right up. For the same reason, when you have two-factor set up, if you're trying to get into something on your Mac and the SMS is supposed to come in on your phone, if it comes in as an iMessage, because iMessage, you know where I'm going with this, right? Messages takes over SMS. So if it comes in, as it often does with me at least, um, even from other companies, even from Google, if it comes in as an iMessage, it's going to come in on the same Mac you're trying to break into if you're a crook. So it's it's just going to come up there. It's going to come up on your on your watch. It's going to come up, well, which is a separate device, so that's okay. It's going to come up on your phone, which is a separate device, so that's okay because maybe they have your Mac, but they yeah. don't have your phone or they don't have your watch. But it's going to come up on the Mac too. <laughs> and so then it's, it's two-factor, but it's one device. Yeah. So – that kind of defeats the purpose. Well, I mean, that's and how I think about it on the phone too. I mean, I I have to two factor into all kinds of stuff on the phone all the time. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna. And you just wait. You just wait for the text to come in on the phone, <laughs> so it's it's less annoying to you because you don't have to look for another device. You don't have to look around for another device. Uh, but it's not as secure. Yeah. I don't think it's not. You know. So this is an incredibly thorny problem. And all I was trying to do was say, hey, you know, Apple has made this permeable phone. So impermeable that although he didn't quite say it, Comey kind of hinted that the NSA couldn't break it or mm, wouldn't break it. I think he had some qualification. First of all, he didn't name the NSA. And secondly, he said something along the lines of whatever they would tell us or whatever they would do for us, which I think leaves a little wiggle room for the fact that maybe the NSA just didn't want to you know, just they don't want to tip their thought hand. about, well, should we reveal that we can do this by helping the FBI right. or should we do what we so often have done over the last 50 years, which is just keep everything to ourselves? <laughs> you know? um, I mean, I look, the thing is, what's, what's so funny about this to me um, is that jailbreaking is a part of like iPhone culture, right? And the, the thing that they're really asking Apple to do is like jailbreak the phone, like Right, get a get a firmware installed in the iPhone that isn't signed by Apple. Now, if you have been an iPhone nerd for a long time, maybe you've installed a jailbreaking jailbreaking version of iOS and played with Springboard and done all that stuff. You are doing you that is doing the thing that the FBI desperately wants Apple to do, which yeah. is put another version of iOS on there. So, um, 
what's what I, I believe is true, just from all the chatter I've heard, is the NSA is in possession of several jailbreaks that work on the current version of the iPhone, right? And if they have a jailbreak for the current version of the iPhone, that means they can zero be, day exploits. They have zero, yeah, zero day exploits. So it's funny because, right. In the language, and that's actually, and that's actually what their job is. Yeah, that's their job. But I mean, it's funny because in the, the language, NSA, uh, yeah, go ahead. You know, in the language of like computer security and hacking, it's a zero to exploit. In the language of, you know, a person who just wanted to rearrange their icons in iOS three or whatever, it's a jailbreak. And it's like that is the disconnect between how the consumers perceive it and how the government perceives it, how Apple perceives it, and you know, Apple, the the cat and mouse game they played with jailbreakers, they were saying the same stuff. Like we've got to keep the operating system safe like we don't want people to load software on the phone that we can't look at and verify that like and it was at that time it seemed very punitive why don't you it's a computer let me do whatever i want with the computer and then we've accelerated it didn't seem punitive to me you and i had a different point of view on this well i i I always felt like if you wanted that buy an android if that that it was actual quality of buying an apple phone or an apple product that, that not that it was ever impossible, nothing's impossible to hack, but that Apple as a company, you know, cared extremely much about curating stuff to prevent malware. And in fact, the vast, vast majority of mobile malware is Android and not iOS for that reason. So some people, like you just described, thought this was a problem or a bad thing that Apple wouldn't let you do whatever you wanted with the phone. And uh, at least keep it under warranty if you did that. And uh, other people took that as a sign of comfort because, you, uh, it, to my mind, you still had a million apps you could install without jailbreaking. And that's just, you know, that's just two different attitudes. But I wonder what's going to happen. You know, uh, we haven't talked about Android, but um, Android has to use, if I understand this correctly, software encryption because, they, because Google doesn't make a phone. It doesn't mean Samsung – Samsung may have hardware encryption. In fact, they have a whole line of special Samsung phones called Knox, right. which they sell for security. And I don't know whether every Android vendor even has this. But in general, when Google itself tries to put encryption in, it has to rely on software. And not every Android phone runs particularly well once you've done that. So I just wonder what's going to happen if a criminal uses an Android phone and happens to be in the minority of Android phones that is fully encrypted, right? Which Google spokesman, the Google spokesman mentioned to me, and which I put in the column, they have these. Um, and is the you know is the government going to force them? I mean, would they? Could the government force them to put a put a fork? version of Android on there? I don't even think they'd I don't even think they'd have to. I mean there are so many versions of Android out there. Right. Pre- presumably. What I have heard that is it's just so much easier to break into Android. And that, you know, I'm sure we're going to get some tweets and emails about how I'm anti-Android. No, it's like, Russell has been up there doing hardcore security reporting on this case for a while and the this the word on the street is that iOS is a little bit significantly more locked down than than Android, even when it's like fully encrypted. Um, the Knox, I'm not so sure. I just that. want to say to the potential tweet haters who are already typing, I did not make that statement. <laughs> I do not know what? whether a fully encrypted Android phone is any easier to break into than a fully encrypted iPhone. I don't think it's about breaking the encryption. I think it's about loading the alternative firmware that lets you do the 
right? It's it's well, it doesn't have to be signed. Apple's has to be signed. Doesn't Google's have to be signed? Um, I, it depends on the phone. I mean, like, yeah, Google's has to be signed. But I think there are many, 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 many kinds of Android phones. And once you increase the yeah. the, the the methods by which those phones interact with the software, you increase the surface area by which. Yeah, you I guess that that that's it's the surface area. There's just, I mean, there's there are only so many kinds of of iPhones in use around the world. The the mathematicians could do this better than us, but I mean the odds of you using some weird old iPhone right. are pretty low. No, it's not I, I think mean, it's the Android software itself has to be more flexible to accommodate the many kinds of platforms. Yeah. Anyway, it, yeah. my only point is A, the Android test is is one that is particularly interesting, not only because it's unclear how the FBI would approach it, but then there are so many other stakeholders involved. Right, so it's not just an Android phone. It's not just Google. You're going to get Samsung involved as well, and I don't know that Samsung is going to be able to mount such a vigorous defense of "we're not going to unlock the phone for you" as Apple is able to right now. Um, I mean, they certainly could try, but Apple is trading on its brand at an incredibly high level right now. Right? Like, oh yeah, I mean, in a way, they're they're bet they're betting their reputation because there are people uh, of good faith. In uh, uh, in the country, who feel like, hey, you got a court order. This was a terrorist incident. We don't care about any of the rest of it. We're, we we they, they basically stopped listening to. We're challenging right after Apple said we're challenging the court order rather than complying with it. Even though you know there's a they have a whole argument which people like us um, listen to and write about, which has to do with precedent, which has to do with the dangers of bad guys getting this and oppressive governments getting this, which has to do with the fact even that it was done in an ex parte way without them getting a hearing in the court, which is not illegal but certainly not the best circumstance and not what the judge in New York did. There's a lot of things. But there's a lot of people of good faith in the country who listen to this and say, look, you should just you should just do it. And Apple is taking a lot of a lot of risk. And that's and so it is. It is an interesting matter of principle, and you know, apparently Google and uh, Microsoft and Facebook and Twitter and pretty much everybody else that competes with Apple is going to file an amicus brief on their behalf. I think maybe a joint one right. is what I read, and so that sets up the technology industry against the intelligence and law enforcement community of the United States, and it's just who knew who thought we'd be in this position. It's <laughs> It's just fascinating. But 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 I want to go back to our core point. Yeah. The phone is so secure and yet it has all these roads leading out of it to cloud things which are not as secure as the phone. Right. And where companies have stated publicly that they are they have a practice, however reluctant, however narrow, however infrequent. I mean our Apple makes it clear that it's incredibly infrequent. Um but they do have a policy of turning over the backups or the cloud versions of your data. Even that Google Doc of the column that you and I worked on last night mm-hmm. was done in the cloud. Yep. In a cloud service and the government was controlled the entire by time. Google. Well, the government could have been watching. <laughs> I don't know. It would have been incredibly boring <laughs> forever was watching so it. Boring. <laughs> so boring. <laughs> we were basically asleep. No. Um, and and um, you know, but let's say I mean, our leading Republican candidate for president, uh, Donald J. Trump, 
made a statement the other day, and I don't have the exact quote, that he was going to make it harder for the media. We're in the media, you and I. He was going to tighten up the libel laws. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If he, if he ever got elected and tightened up the libel laws, would, would law enforcement want to know what happened in an editing session at The Verge in, <laughs> in Google Docs or in, uh, you know, any yeah. other editing platform we'd use which involved the cloud? Yeah. I mean, there's a chance. You never know. I mean, we have certainly been um, – throughout my career, I've been involved in lawsuits where we get threatened and they want to know everything. And we have to decide what you know what we're going to give them, and it's just funny. But in the case of, in the case of Google Docs, you're not entirely in control of what right you know what they can get and what they can't. Google is involved in that that third party thing you mentioned. Yeah, no, it's, I mean it's it's that's what I mean. It's the it's the wild west. It's we're arguing. It's the same point you're, you're making. We're arguing about this phone, but I think the future of all these devices and the future of how we work and our data and our storage is up in the cloud. And it's just this conversation is so it's so befuddling in, in many ways because, you know, I always think about what is the local news saying? And the local news says Apple and FBI and privacy fight. And it's like, yeah, kind of, but not not really like they're in an iPhone security fight. How secure should be iPhone be? And Apple's answer is as secure as possible. And the FBI's answer is yes, but one tick, one tick less. But that's not a privacy fight. The privacy fight is how much of your information does Apple control and how securely are they keeping it? And that is secure from unwanted government intrusion. It's secure from attackers. It's, a, it's secure from, you know, jealous lovers who just want to read your text. It's the whole the whole gamut of this is yours and other people shouldn't look at it. And it's funny because the cloud services are so important. You know, a phone without an internet connection is like no good at all, right? And that means that it's you we have to think about the whole stack, not just the device. And I it's this we're going to get through this conversation. And there's no way to get our arms around the the cloud stack without a law. Mm-hmm. And even a law would only would only probably apply to the United States. Right. So, let's say let's say and I know this is like science fiction, but let's say Congress came up with a well-balanced law that maybe took a little of Apple's security uh, mania away and a little of the FBI's investigative mania away and came up with some compromise. And it was – maybe it was grudging, but it was a compromise and it kind of worked and whatever. Ultimately, what happens with all laws that typically involve global trade is they become embedded somehow in treaties, but there are further compromises in the treaty negotiations. So, you know, if the Congress of the United States passed a privacy law, would China say, yes, China is adopting exactly the American model? No, they would have their own model and they already do. I mean, you know, they're trying to break into the iPhone. I assume they haven't been able to if the US hasn't been able to. Well, I mean, that's that real... doesn't mean they can't hack iCloud. And even if I, I don't want to pick on Apple, even if iCloud is more secure than Dropbox, people with iPhones have private stuff in Dropbox. <laughs> right. They do. Well, you know, it's funny this China issue keeps coming up. You know, Apple keeps saying, well, if the, we China, don't... Russia, Pakistan, and I mean, it's you like, want to name no, the China is a huge market for Apple. They make yeah. all their stuff there. Like if the Chinese government wants to somehow apply pressure to Apple to get them to lock the phone, they certainly have many, many points of leverage to get that accomplished. 
Um, and it's just, well, I would hope Apple would stand up to it, even at the loss of money. I would hope they would. Right, and I think, but that's the, like the that there it is. That's the real question, right? You know, they keep saying, "Well, if the U.S. does it, then China will do it," and I don't necessarily know why those are connected, <laughs> right? Like it's it's very interesting. Oh no, no, me. I think they're very connected. I I I think that there's this sort of most fa- uh, most favored nation view uh, among all the countries uh, on this stuff. I think Putin would want to do it. And, you know, I don't know a whole lot about Brazil. I don't want to pretend I do. Uh, Maybe they have a sterling independent court system. It's certainly perfectly possible. But, you know, there is corruption and at least different politicization and things in different countries. I don't know about Brazil. I'm explicitly saying I don't know about Brazil. But – but you know, somebody got a, an Amer- a representative American company got arrested in Brazil because they were running. At least from what I read, they were running an encrypted system, WhatsApp, and the position was very similar to what Apple is saying, which is it's encrypted. We don't have the keys. We can't turn it over. Right. Um, and it led to this person's arrest. So this is a global issue, and that's how they're connected. They're all. It, it, it is. It is all connected. Yeah. It is a global issue. All right. Well, we sadly have not solved this global issue in the 45 minutes that we've been speaking. <laughs> right. But next time, we're, we're just going to keep coming at it in 45-minute chunks. Not every week. Every, we won't do this every, every week, week. endlessly we'll be at it. Unless, I mean, you know, if something blows up between now and next week, we're not going to be able to help ourselves. But yeah. we'll I mean, to me, this is the biggest story in tech right now. Without, I mean, obviously, there's device launches and there's new products and this and that. But this one is... When I think about The Verge and technology and culture and how we live, this is the one that is literally upending the relationship between technology vendors, citizens of the United States, and our government. And that, to me, is that's the whole spectrum of, of what we do and what we do here at The Verge. Anyhow, that is our show. I think we need to plug a whole bunch of other shows. So, uh, Walt and I love your feedback. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter. I'm sure you have many opinions about this one. So, you can get... At Walt, at, at Walt Mossberg, you can get at me at Reckless on Twitter. You can also send us an email. Um, we have forums. If you want to try 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 something new, you can get in the Verge forums. Talk to us there. Um, you can also just break into our Google Doc and talk to us right 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 right, right, right from there. Right while right, Walt's writing. Um, we, we'd be surprised, but we'd probably print something about it. <laughs> It'd be real fun. If you Did you read that really weird USA Today <laughs> post? Uh, about the guy, the reporter, and he's like, I was sending an email, and the guy broke into his yeah. unencrypted. Yeah, I had no. I had, there's something about that that rang really sensational. Thing. Anyhow, I agree, yeah. but but do that to us because then we'll write a post about it and we'll have a little little fight with USA today. Anyway, there's that. Uh, we have many other podcasts for you to listen to. The Vergecast on Thursdays. I host that. The cavalcade of luminaries. Uh, Lauren Good, our friend, our senior editor, The Verge, hosts Too Embarrassed to Ask on the Recode radio side uh, Chris Plant hosts What's Tech and Emily Yoshida and Liz Lopato host um, Verge ESP which is their entertainment and science show which is getting I mean it's it's started out great and it's getting better every week uh, and did we mention Karen Peter oh Karen Peter and Kara Swisher at the Recode radio network side of things hosts uh, Recode, Recode Decode. Decode and Peter hosts Recode Media which is f- if you are at all into tech and media you gotta re- listen to Recode Media it's fascinating yeah. show about sort of how the, the future of media is being developed right now uh and you know what just come to code conference in may just buy a ticket right now i don't even know if you can buy a ticket but mail what's it Walt? it's hard man it's mail hard. mail as oh, much money as much you money. got to walt's it's house not. directly and he'll get your <laughs> ticket. uh 
<laughs> I'm just plugging everything. Just go for it. Uh, and then we have some other uh, just fun news. I'll plug it right here. Uh, if you're going to be in New York in July, The Verge is partnering with the Panorama Music Festival. Kendrick Lamar is headlining uh, Arcade Fire LCD Sound System. It's a big announcement. It just happened yesterday. So late July, uh, big music festival that we're putting on with The Verge. That's our conference business. We're like getting into it. It's, I mean, it's, it's it's the same thing as code, but with uh, rock stars. Um, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's exactly the same idea. Hey, we've had we've had rock stars at code. That's true. We had Neil Young at code. This year, I'm bringing Star. a light show to code. Anyway, um, you are? that'd be great. You are? Be, but here's my, my question: Is are you going to play on stage <laughs> at the at the festival? Because I know that you had a band. I did, and I don't. And that's the end of our show. And that is as much no, conversation as we No, did. it's not. There will be a future. <laughs> oh, I just want to say something. There will be a future control wall delete oh in God. which we play at least a segment of a Neelai Patel music selection. Hey, I was on the radio in Chicago. I feel good about it. Anyway, but we're not going to do that now. Uh, and look, if Walt's going to threaten me with my old band, I'm going to threaten him with his nickname in China. And that will be <laughs> that will be the final episode of Control and Delete. It's just we make good on all these, on all these veiled blackmail allegations. Uh, so that's it. Uh, please, please talk to us. We love the feedback. Please listen to all the rest of the podcasts. Uh, and we will see you once again next week. Thank you so much. Great show, Walt. I loved it. See you next week.